You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so here's what I want to do today. I actually want to share with you some of my story, our story. And uh, now listen, you, you got to understand, I can't share much detail about the blessings of God in my life, mine and David's life, in our kids' life. And I can't share much because there's too much. There's too much. So I, I'm just taking one little thing. It's kind of a, kind of a recent thing. So it, it's, it's something I've been wanting to share for a while. So I want to take that and I want to share with you because there have been some mighty truths that have been reaffirmed and restated to me during this time of, of the blessing and miracle that God, God has been bringing into our life. Okay, so, so this is what I want to share with you. So here, here's, here's how this all began. You know, just a few years ago, Deva and I became empty nesters again for the last time, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see, right? That kind of thing. And so we began talking about, you know, our house. Our house was kind of, you know, kind of a little big for us. And had now that we'd finished half the basement, two sets of stairs, you know, and so well, maybe we want something, you know, without so many stairs and all of that. So we began talking about, you know, kind of our last house, where we want to be. Or, you know, we, we're settling down. We plan on being, this, this is the place we plan on being here. So we, we began thinking about that. And you know what the first step we took was? First, step, what, what do you think for the first step? First step we took, prayer. Okay, first slide right here. Look, prayer is not a last resort, but a first line of attack. Too many people wait to the last minute and say, "Well, you know, I get, it's not working, so I got to go to prayer." It's not supposed to be a last resort. It's supposed to be your first line of attack. You are going to come against things that you're going to need God's help in. So make prayer a first line of attack. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Man, that's good. That's good. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And so we made it a matter of prayer. Here's a couple of the things. Here, here are the two big things, I think, that we prayed that are going to be really important as far as this message. We were praying, God, God, you know things we don't know. You've heard me say that a lot, right? You've heard me say, God knows stuff I don't know. And so God I want you to, you decide. I, I don't want to decide because here's one of the things that God also knows that you don't know. God knows what you really want. You know what you think you want. But have you ever gotten what you thought you wanted and then you realize that wasn't what you wanted? I mean, it happens every time you go to a restaurant pretty much, right? But I, I'm talking about big stuff too, right? It happens that you think you want something until you get it and you realize that ain't what it, You know what? God knows what is really deep down the desire of your heart because he created you he knows that so he really knows what you want so okay, God you know stuff we don't know about all that kind of stuff you know what neighborhoods are gonna be like 10 years from now I don't know what it's gonna be like 10 days from now I don't know what's gonna happen in a neighborhood or a community I don't know about this house you know you buy this house and I didn't know there were termites God knows God knows if there's anything God knows that kind of stuff so that was one of the first things but here, here's the other thing is we just we just ask God but you choose a place God to take care of our family we, we're praying about those kinds of things take care of our family you know the things that we can we can actually use for ministry in some way you know not small groups but not just small groups but all kinds of things like that that we that we can do in ministry so we were praying those kinds of things all right and here's something a few years ago 
I think probably 12, 14 years ago, I, I heard T.D. Jakes say something, and, and, I, and I've, looked for, I've looked for the quote, and I, and I think I, I don't even remember it because I took it and it became something inside of me, and it was this kind of a thought. It's like, you know, find people who are doing what you want to do, or they're reaping benefits, rewards, miracles like you want, and then move into their neighborhood. Now, he's not talking about selling your house and actually physically moving. He's talking about a, a spiritual move into someone's neighborhood, getting close to people. And there's, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that I could bring you about this. But here's, here's I think, the perfect story about this is in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. That verse right there. But let, let me tell you the story just a little bit. Because Elisha has become like a, a protege of Elijah. And uh, what's really cool about this story, and if you, if you go to the, the Connect page where the sermon notes are, church2911.com slash connect, go to the sermon notes, you can find uh, the, whole, the whole story is right there. Really cool story because, because they go here to this other place, and there's some prophets there, and they, say, and they speak to Elijah and say, did you know Elijah's going to be taken away from us today? God's going to take him? And Elijah said, yes, I know it. Now, they knew it, and Elisha knew it. And, and then they went somewhere else, and some more prophets said, did you know this, that God was going to take Elijah? And he says, yes, I know. And he says, shh, don't, don't tell everybody I know, or don't tell everybody. And so all these people know this. So Elijah probably also knew it as well, that this was his last day on earth. And so what Elijah does is he tells Elisha, and he's testing him. He, he knows that this is his last day, so he says, Elisha, look, I've got to go to Jericho. So you, why don't you stay here, and I'll be back in a little while in a little while. And you know what Elisha tells him? Verse 2, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. Okay, so they go to Jericho and that's where they find that first group of prophets that, that know this. And so then Elijah says, hey, Elisha, I've also got to go to Bethel. Why don't you stay here and I'll go on and I'll be back. And Elisha says the same thing again, as surely as the Lord. He says it again, the exact same thing. And then Elijah says, after they get to Bethel and they find this other group of prophets that also know this, then he says, hey, I've also got to go down to the Jordan River, so why don't you stay here? And the third time Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself lives, I am not going to leave your side. You know what Elisha was doing? He was moving into Elijah's neighborhood. And so Elijah said, what do you want? What is it that you want? And Elisha said, all these miracles that you're doing. Okay, now I'm, I'm having to add this because I know, I know some of you don't, might not know who Elijah is. But Elisha is basically saying, all these miracles you're doing, all this power that is working through you, I want a double portion of the spirit that is in you and on you for those kinds of things to happen in my life. And Elijah said, if you see me leave, then you will get what you have asked for today. And so what, what Elijah was doing, and, and, and Elisha kind of already knew this in his spirit, and Elijah then made the promise that if you move into my neighborhood and you stay in my neighborhood, then when all this is over, you're going to have twice as much of my spirit that I've got from God. You're going to have twice as much of that on you. Neighbors are important. That's, that's, that's what I get out of this whole story. It's, it's important, the people you surround yourself with. So here, here's my question then. Who are yours? I'm not talking about the people who live in the house next to you in your community. Who are your neighbors? Who are the people who pour into you? Who challenges you? And what are the things they say? Are they good, strong Christians that challenge you to get closer to God, that challenge you to reach out to Him, that challenge you to pray about your decisions? Or are they people that just have their own wisdom and things? You need to be careful who you choose. Neighbors are important. And here's, here's what happened to us. About that time, about that time that Dave and I started really thinking and praying about this, I had three different friends. I think in a matter of just about three or four months, I had three different friends that had bought land or something. I reconnected with one of the friends, a friend that I've had for over 20 years. I reconnected with him, hadn't seen him in a long time, talked to him in a long time. 
And, and while we were talking, he told me that, hey, I've, I've bought 10 acres of land. And he told me where it was and all this and, and everything. And, and uh, he said, I'll send you some pictures. I said, yeah, send me some pictures. And, and, uh, and he also sent me a video. And, and he's bought this tractor, you know, and he doesn't have anything, doesn't even have a brick laid yet. But he's got a tractor, and he's riding out there on his tractor, you know. And he's taking pictures, and he's got, he's got this video that he sent me of, of he's out there on Easter morning as the sun is coming up. He's out there early having his own sunrise service, just him and God. And I'm saying, yes, that's what I want. I want God to put me in that kind of, the place that God picks that is for us. That's, that's what I want. And then right after that, or sometime around that same time, I'm not sure which of these came first, but I had, a, I had another friend, a friend that I've known about six years, and uh, he had like 18 acres of land just kind of dropping his lap, you know. And then I had another friend, a, a guy that I've known only a couple of years. He had a beautiful house, just also God just dropped it in his lap. Okay, now, I need to make sure you understand that when I say God dropped this stuff in their lap, I don't mean it was paid for. These guys had to keep working their jobs, and they had to make the payments on this, okay? So I'm not saying any of this was free. There is still effort. To, there's still effort. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes also, take you to some scripture on that. Great story there that I, that I also want to share. Actually, in the life of Elisha that we just read about, okay? And so, so you know what I did? is I chose those three guys to be my neighborhood. God had done that in their life. I wanted God to do that in our life. I wasn't asking for this or this or this exactly. I was just saying, God, whatever you want, but I want the kind of bless. I want you to move in and do this kind of thing. And, and if God makes you capable of working a job to be able to pay for the, the blessing miracle that God wants to put into your life, then God has done that for you, okay? He's dropped it in your lap. Even if you're the one that has to work the job and pay for it, God has given you that ability. To, that's how God works these things, okay? And then the door closed, you know? The door closed. Uh, and, and I thought, and here, here's, here's, a, here's a really good reason why you need great neighbors, okay? Uh, for this next slide, dream big. Next slide, dream big. And, and we've said this around here different ways, but if I dream as big as I can handle, then it's not really a dream and I don't need God. We've said that in different ways around here. But if I'm only dreaming as big as I can handle, then it's not a dream, it's just a plan and I don't need God. But when I start dreaming stuff that I need your help, God, now I'm dreaming, and it's, and it's stuff that I need. And, and, and you know, and I, I, you know, this door closed, and I'm thinking, well, well God, what, what's, what's going on here? And in the middle of this, I get a text from one of these three guys that I've told them, here's what we're praying, we're asking God for. And you know what the text said? You know what, it, it, it went a little further than this, but that's why it's in quotes up there, because this is what one of my three neighbors, what he texted me is dream big. He was saying, dream big, Rick. And he went on to say something like, like dream big and let God handle the rest of this because God wants to do it. You got to dream bigger. And here's the thing is we'd found a, we'd found a couple of acres that looked like, okay, this is going to be the place. It's going to work out. Here's where we go. And, you know, started dreaming about this. I actually started checking into a lot of things and, and everything. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I really don't want to sell. The guy didn't want to sell just two. He wanted to sell four or five, I think it was. And I said, well, I'm, I'm probably still good with that. And then it went up to 10. And I'm like, well, I hadn't really thought about 10, but I'll pray about it and see, you know. And so, you know, that's what was going on. And God had helped me find these people and put them into my life so that they could tell me because what I was hearing was like, you know, it's like kind of, I was thinking, God, are you confused? 
You know, y'all ever ask God, is he confused? Or maybe it didn't come out your mouth, but you were thinking it, that God's confused. You know, it's like, God, are you confused? Because, you know, I, I thought this, and, and now I'm beginning to feel, maybe we're not dreaming big enough, and boom, God sends me a text from one of the neighbors that he's had me connect with telling me to dream big, and that he's confirming through that mouth what is going on in my heart. You know, and so I said, well, awesome, that's cool, you know, and so now we start, we start looking in a different way. But the, but, but the door closed, okay? Now, can I, can, I, can I tell you this? A closed door is different from a delay, and you need to know the difference. Because if you don't know the difference, if you break down a door that God has closed, you lose the ability to know if it really is God's will. Let me explain this. It's like if, if, if something happens and you feel like you're at a closed door, if you barrel through that before you know it's just a delay, and that it may be a closed door. If you don't know, but when you barrel through it, then you lose the, the opportunity, you lose the ability to know if that was really God's thing or not. What's going to happen is somewhere down the road, you're going to face some opposition, and doubt's going to come in, and you're going to be thinking, now, was that a, a door that God put up and I broke it down? Or do I know that God told me that that was just a delay and I need to push on through it? You see, you, you got to make sure, before, before you start breaking down doors, make sure you know. Now, I wish, in, in a lot of ways, I wish that there was just a test that, you know, I could put in your hand, and this is the way you would know what is God's will for your life. But God doesn't want that. He doesn't want us to have just a, a list to check off. and uh, He wants us to have a relationship. So we got to work this thing out with God. But here's a couple of clues right here to know if something is a, a closed door or not. Does it, I'm sorry, back up. I'm still there. Is, uh, does it line up with God's word? Okay, does it line up with God's? Listen, if the Apostle Paul himself comes out of his grave, wherever in this world it is, and he appears in my bedroom in the middle of the night, and he tells me something that does not line up with what God has said, then it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter because it, everything has to line up with God's word or it's, it's not truth. And I know somebody said, well, my grandma always told me, can, but can I tell you something? If God said this, and your grandma said stuff that doesn't line up with that. Your grandma was wrong. Okay? I, I, and she was wrong. Maybe she's a good lady. Maybe you read it on Facebook or whatever. But if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, if you want to know that you know that you know, then first of all, check and see if it lines up with what God has already said. Secondly, is there consistency of direction from God? God is not schizophrenic. Okay? So he doesn't tell you something today and he's going to tell you something totally wildly different two weeks from now. You know what? God knows right now the plan he has for you years and years and years down the road. So God, I, I got a friend, he's actually a mentor of mine that I, I reach out to when I've got struggles and things and have for years now. And one of the things he has told me over and over and over again is nothing ever occurred to God. God is not going to tell you something today and then tomorrow morning wake up and say, you know what just occurred to me? So we need to change the, what we've been telling Rick. You know, you know what just occurred? You know what I just thought about? God's not going to look next to, his, next to himself, look over there at his son next to him and say, you know what just occurred to me? I told Rick to do this yesterday, but you know, I just thought of something else. That doesn't happen with God. So God's not schizophrenic. He's not going to tell you something wild today and something totally different wild tomorrow, okay? That's not who God is. So these are two good, good, uh, good ways for you to begin realizing, recognizing, and understanding whether things are closed doors or just delays. Because here, listen, 
God wants you to be in peace about the things he tells you. Two scriptures right here. That's all we got time for. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, for God is not a God of disorder but of peace. And Isaiah 26 verse 3, and this was when Isaiah was talking to God, and he says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. God wants us to have peace about the stuff he tells us. God doesn't want us to be confused. He's not schizophrenic. Everything's going to line up with his word. Okay, so if you need, and you need to know, you need to know whether God's closed the door or he's opened the door and that's just a speed bump. And if it's a speed bump, then barrel on through that thing and just go on and see what God is doing. Okay, but here's something else about this. Go to the next. When you follow God, read this with me. When you follow God and something doesn't work out, God is teaching you something. That doesn't mean, you know, God has failed. He's teaching you something. It doesn't mean you missed him. Embrace what you learn about the process and about yourself or prepare to repeat the process. If you don't learn the lesson the first time, just get ready to learn it the second time. If God's told you to do something, God's told you to honor him in, uh, in attendance, God's told you to honor him in tithing, God's told you to honor him in, in, in your relationships with your spouse or even your best friends or whatever, God's told you to honor him with your business and, and you're not doing it and you don't listen the first time, we'll just get ready to repeat the process. Get ready to learn the lesson again. Get ready to have the lesson taught again. Get ready to have it taught again and again and again. God wants you to know what his will is. He wants you to know. He's not hiding it from you. Oh, this was a part that I had to, that I had to cut out. This coming back to my mind right now. and I, It's about four paragraphs of stuff I had to cut out just because of the length of this sermon and this message. But God wants you to know. He wants you to know. Okay, here. A lot of people say there are two or three things that can happen. I'm going to say there are three. In any endeavor, there are three things. There are three results. There are three possibilities. I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose or I'm going to learn. Now, a lot of people, when they don't win, they lose, and they lose badly. And they get mad, and they complain, and they gripe, and they point fingers, you know, and they pout, and they go on Facebook, and they tell everybody why the whole world has done them wrong. Amen, or oh me, come on, let's go, just be real, right? You know, and we got to tell everybody we get really mad. We either win or we lose. Can I give you some advice? Scratch lose off of the options. Just make up your mind, I will never lose ever, ever again. I will win or I will learn. If I don't win something, then it was a learning process for me. That when you're following after God, like the previous slide, when you're following after God and things don't work out, that doesn't mean that God was wrong. That means God was teaching you something and he wants you to understand what his will is. That doesn't mean that he's going to take you the shortest route from A to B. Because there may be a whole lot of stuff in here that he's trying to save you from. Stuff that may harm you or, or harm your relationships or some other part of your life. And there may be some stuff out here, some lessons that you need to learn. And that may be why he takes you way around to get from A to B. But there is a process and there is a reason for it. So take it off the table, losing. Just decide. If you're following after God, you need never, ever lose again. Because every time you don't win, it's a learning process because God is teaching you something. Okay, I got to get back to the story because I got to wrap this thing up. Don't, don't get real excited. I got a few minutes left, okay? But I got to get back to the story. But let me set it up right here. I, I mentioned we, I was going to tell you a little bit of the story. The very last thing we know about the life of Elisha is, is the king of Israel came to Elisha because Israel was under attack. They were about to be attacked, and he was worried, and so he came to Elisha. Elisha was about to die. In 2 Kings chapter 13, 
Verse 17, Elisha says, open that eastern window. He says this to the king, and, and the king opened the window, and Elisha says, shoot. And so the king drew an arrow, and he shot an arrow out the window, and Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arame Arameans at Aphek. Okay, so, so when he shot the arrow, it was, it was a symbol. It was symbolism of you're going to have victory. You know, you're, you're shooting this arrow, and that's the victory. This is a symbol of the victory of God. Then he goes on, he says, so uh, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up, Jehoash picked them up, and he struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Three times sounds pretty good to me, right? But this is a reminder that sometimes we sell our victory short and God wants to do more than we're paying attention to. Dream big, dream bigger. And this is what I, I think it, it appears here that Elisha knew that, that there was going to be symbolism not just in the one that was shot, but also in the arrows that he beat on the ground. And, you know, that, that, uh, that was going to signify how much victory he had. Get this. Here's the moral of this. Even though victory was promised to King Jehoash, the extent of the victory was still in his hands. Even when you get promised, God says, I'm going to do this in your life. The extent of the victory is still yours. You don't get to go sit down under a tree somewhere and say, okay, God, do it. 2 Chronicles 29, 11 says God has chosen us. Don't be neglectful of the choosing. God has chosen you. You've got something to do. It's like these three men that I said were my neighbors. I moved into their neighborhood. God dropped this in their lap. They all had to keep working their jobs. They all had to keep paying the bills. They all had to keep tithing. They all had to keep doing all the right things to, to, uh, to receive these blessings in their life. Okay, so that's where I want to pick up my story you know, that, that, we, that we're in right now. I want to pick this up and, and, and go there because, you know, when, when I say, and you might hear me say that God, God gave us some land or God gave us this or whatever, I want you to know we're paying for it, okay? But God is the one that is enabling us to be able to have it and to pay for it, all right? And so, 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 here, so here's the thing. Here, here's the extent of my efforts into this. I actually got on the Jefferson County website, Jefferson County uh, um, website of, of all the land and, and they've got this map and, and I went grid by grid just all the way across North Jefferson County and then went up a little north and then by, I just went back and forth looking for any possible undeveloped land that was out there that we could possibly buy. You know, why in the world would you go to that much trouble? I'll tell you why I went to that much trouble. Because we couldn't find anything. You know, somebody, somebody said, we, you know, we were living in Mount Olive, if you didn't know that, well, that's where we were living before, before we, you know, were buying this land. And somebody said every bit of flat land in Mount Olive has already been purchased by somebody else. And I think that's just about true after, after I looked around. And we weren't just trying to stay right there, but it, it was a struggle. We, we found, I, I, think it was, uh, I think it was six, seven acres uh, that we found had a house on it. And, and we found out about it. And we were trying to get a bid together, and, and we, we lost. We didn't get a chance to even get the bid in because we found out about it so late. And then um, uh, we found out about so, some other land, or Gina Lenore found a, a piece of land, and it had a house on it. But the house, it wasn't really what we wanted. It was right, right in the middle, of, but, it, but, but Regina helped us and, and was able to get a contractor over there to meet with us. And, and so we were able to figure out that, you know what, this is going to be so cheap that we could actually add on what we need to add on to this house, and we'd be happy with this. So, so this was a closed bid thing also. And so we bid 20,000, uh, not 20,000, I'm sorry, 20% higher than the amount that was kind of like a starting bid. And so, you know, and when in prayer, I mean, like an amount that really felt like God gave us. And, and so we chose that because, you know, that's what we're praying. 
and somebody bid 15% higher than that. So we didn't get that one. I found 10 acres one day and uh, thought, nobody knows where this 10 acres is. You know, and so I, I go check on it to find out about it. Guess what? By the time I check on it, somebody's already made a full price offer on it. That's what we were facing. So that's why I'm going back and forth over every bit of the grid of North Jefferson County. I'm writing emails. I'm, I, I, I even sent Facebook messages to friends that I have that, uh, that I found out they had some land next to their house and, and asked them if they were interested in selling it. They didn't even respond, you know. I'm writing letters and dropping in mailboxes. I'm going through all of this. Okay, and then finally one Sunday, one Sunday morning, Cindy Dodd walks into the exhibit hall here, and she says, would you be interested in 12 acres with a creek? Would I? Can we go write a contract right now? You know, so I, as quick as I can, I get over there, kind of try to look at it a little bit. I go back to the Jefferson County map, you know, and check it out and everything. And, and uh, you know, and I call her back as quick as I can, and I say, hey, can we get together and talk about an offer? And you know what she says? They've decided not to sell. You know, so it's like, this is what I was facing. And here again, it's like, oh, God, you know, it's, I'm ready to break down some doors now. Even if God closed this one, I'm ready to break a door down. You know, you know I'm, 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 I'm being honest with you, okay? Pastor's ready to break doors down. I, 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 asked, I asked Cindy about it. She sees these people almost every week. And so, and so she keeps telling me, no, no, they're still not, they're still not interested in selling. And, and there were a lot of times, I don't think I ever asked Cindy, but there were a lot of times I wanted to say, Cindy, can we just make them an offer to get them to start bargaining with us and get them back to the table, make them you know, think about real money? And, but I never said it because we were praying, God, you know stuff I don't know. So for me to do that would have been breaking the door down. So we had to take our hands off of it and say, if this is God, it'll come back without us doing anything. And if it doesn't come back, and it wasn't God because he knows stuff we don't know. And six months later, guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> I know you thought, and, 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 and I'm, I'm so glad everything works out this way because I want you, because that's where you're going to get to, too. You're going to think, I've done everything right, and six months later, still nothing. Right? You're going to get there. I promise you, you're going to get there, and nothing. And I'm glad I didn't notice it then because if I had, if I had noticed it then, it's been six months and nothing, I'd have really wanted to break that door down. But I felt like I couldn't. And six months and one week later, I walk into Jack's on Mount Olive Road, and Cindy is there, and Tom, they're in there, and this couple that owns the land, they're in there, and they say, hey, we're ready to sell that land. Is your pastor still interested? And one of the other parts of the, of the prayer we were praying was for favor. And they, when they heard you know, we were pastors, and they, they were longtime church members and leaders in their church, and they heard we were pastors and what we were wanting to do, our last house kind of a thing, and a place to, you know, to, for our grandkids to play and all of that, they wanted us to have it so bad. We took two and a half weeks to even get the contract or any, like an offer and that kind of stuff made. And they were fine. They didn't list it. They wanted us to have right of first refusal. Just amazing. And all that happened. And so it was a done deal, right? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? No, this, I'm preaching a sermon. You know it didn't happen that easy and that fast, right? I would have led up to it a lot stronger. No, nope, but finally, you know, our, uh, the, the bank we first started trying to use, their appraiser was from out of town. He came in. He made a huge, huge mistake on the appraisal and shut everything down, stopped it right dead in its tracks. So what do you do? Is this a closed door? Well, you know, if we had not been sure that that first door was just a speed bump, 
If we had not waited and let God work it out, then we would have had to doubt again here. That's what I was talking about earlier. That's why you've got to know then. And so we felt like we went to another bank and everything sailed through. And on that afternoon, I wrote this text to my three neighbors, you know, the guys, my three guys. Thanks, guys, for your prayers and encouragement. We've been working on and praying about this one tract of land since early February. We had a lot of roadblocks, but every time it looked like the end of the road on this property, God smoothed things out. And as of 4.30 today, we are landowners. Thanks again for your prayers. Amen. Yeah. Y'all go ahead and celebrate with me, right? We know how to mourn with everybody, but do we know how to celebrate with everybody? Amen. Go ahead and celebrate with me because doing that, you're planting a seed somewhere. You see, I asked these three guys, I didn't ask them to give me any money. I asked, I asked them to just, whatever, that, that blessing thing that was coming on them, I asked them to just, I want you to help impart that on me. And let me say this to you also, one of them was Jimmy, Jimmy Argo. That's why I wanted his, that's why I wanted his story. He's one of those three guys. Another one was, if you heard me say, I've only known him a couple of, couple of years, another, another member of this church. I want I wanted I wanted him because he was another one and then the other one was a former staff member of mine that I've known for over 20 years so I know some people say well Pat you're a preacher you got all these pastors I, I wanted you to know that's not the neighborhoods I was moving into I wasn't asking all these preachers and I was asking I was asking my church members my former staff members people who worked for me alongside me but worked for me okay I wanted you to know that because you don't have you don't have to know somebody you already know somebody right here that could be a good member of your neighborhood. And so finally, eight, I think it was eight months and three weeks after Cindy first asked, would you be interested in 12 acres of the creek? I sent that text. And we were landovers. Would you like to see it? Let's load up and go right now. Y'all ready? No. I got pictures for you, okay? So let me show you some pictures right, right quick right here. I know. David said, Looks like trees to me. <laughs> it does, isn't it awesome? <laughs> Here's another one of some more trees. I mean, but look at that valley and the, the hill on the other side over there. And I just can't wait, you know, couldn't wait till the fall and everything. So I got a picture of the fall for you, see? And, and it's a little dark and it's, not, it's before all the trees really began turning. You see a little, a little color in there and everything. You know, I just wanted you to see a little bit of that. But did I mention that it's got a creek? Did I mention it's got a creek? Let me show you a little bit, show the picture of that creek. Oh, yeah, thank you for that. Oh, whoever said that. I know it. I told you I wanted you to see a little bit of that fall color. I'm going to show you some of, that, some of the winter color. Y'all like to see some winter color? Look at this winter color right here. We've owned this land now for a year, so this was back earlier this year when we had a little bit of snow, and I don't remember when it was, January, February. Got one more picture of the, of the snow. I was out there that day and just snapped these pictures real, real quickly. Just amazed at the beauty, you know. And Michael Pollard, I, I, there were a lot of tracks out there, especially down by the creek. And I know what a deer track looks like, but everything else, I ain't got a clue. Michael Pollard loaned me his uh, one of his uh, uh, wildlife cameras, and I put it out there because I wanted to see what, what are all these other animals out here. I want to know what to be scared of or whatever or what not to tell Dave about, you know, those kinds of things. And so he loaned that to me, and we had it out there for two weeks. It didn't catch a single thing, not nothing. I mean, I've got it right over all these tracks. And it's like I don't get anything for two weeks. The very first picture of wildlife, guess what it is right here. Isn't that amazing? And look, just think about this. It's, it's like then when, then when you get 
when you get concerned, when you get doubtful, when you get worried, when you're like, God, are you sure? And when you think, are you confused, God? Or are you being schizophrenic? And I'm not sure in all this. And then you, God gives you a picture like that. David said I'd have to print that out and probably hang it in our house. And I to, probably, yeah, I told her, absolutely. I know it might have to go in a man cave or something. She might not let me have it in the living room. But, I mean, just, just that, just that, just those, again, those, those times where God says, here, I, I just want you to remember. Just, he just gives you those to just remember when you're in partnership with him. So we finished, no, no, we, we got a basement dug, but uh, we, we, we got waiting right now on permit from Jefferson County, but, you know, that, that's as far as we can go without getting in trouble with the county. We got a basement dug, so we're not there yet, but there's five more things I want to tell you real, I'm going to tell you real quick, okay? Because we had a lot in the service. I didn't get started until late, and this is not a short sermon, but I got five quick things. I promise you this is going to be quick. I got five things, but these are powerful, especially this first one, okay? It's when you start getting there, don't stop. Okay, when you start seeing the blessings of God, you don't back off. I've seen people start tithing, and then all of a sudden things start working for them, and then they say, "Oh, that was good," and say, "Quit tithing." No, don't, don't, you can't do that. You're going to lose the ground that you made. Here's, here's five quick things. Keep praying because not everything is willing to be subject to God's authority. You understand this, that if it is God's will for you to be blessed right here or have this or whatever, whatever God's blessing is for your life, just because God said it, it doesn't mean everything else in this world is going to be happy about it. And there are going to be some things that are not willing to be subject to the authority of God, and you're going to have to be the one who reminds them they are under subjection to the authority of God. You're going to have to be the one praying. You're going to have to be the one reminding them and say, nope, 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 because God said this, and God's done this, and God has promised this, and you're going to have to keep praying for that reason, okay? Because not everything is going to just lay down at your feet. You're going to have to fight some fights. This is your first line of attack is praying over those things and keeping those things under subjection to the authority of Jesus Christ. Secondly, keep on tithing because you want God to be your partner. You want to stay in that partnership. Keep on tithing and stay in that partnership because God protects the harvest. One of the best recent stories is David Joyner. Just ask him. His harvest came under attack a few weeks ago. And God protected his harvest. But, but let me share this one with you. This was out on the land again. The day, the day after our Halloween event, our great pumpkin bash, I had my, my little four-wheeler out here, my little bitty trailer. For, we did two hay rides, you know, had two trailers going. And I had my little one. And so, so that next morning, I tried to hurry it over there. You know, it was, it, was going, it was already starting to rain. I tried to hurry it over there. They had done some road work, and so we had a lot of dirt. And so we, we were going to have a lot of mud. It was already on the back of my pilot, my Honda Pilot, which is not four-wheel drive. I got the trooper, but I didn't have it on that. So I, I tried to get on over there in a hurry. I didn't make it, and uh, so I wasn't able to get, wasn't able to get the trailer with the four-wheeler up in the place I wanted it to be because it got stuck. Had to take it loose so I could get the pilot out, and I wasn't stuck long. But the trailer was stuck there with the four-wheeler for a while, in full view of the main road right there. And uh, so now I'd moved that that camera. Uh, that took that beautiful picture of the deer. I'd moved that camera over there, kind of watching that drive to try and, you know, trying to dissuade anybody from thinking, you know, they could get a five-finger discount on a, on a free, you know, uh, four-wheeler or whatever. Well, here's what happened. A couple of weeks later, actually, I think about 10 days later, maybe 11, I went back over there for something, and, and I thought, well, I'll change the camera card out. Probably got a lot of pictures. I just want to look and see if there's any, anything going on. And uh, I was flipping through a lot of things, and I, and I saw a pickup truck I did not recognize. 
Now, I did see a couple of you guys' cars out there that y'all been out to my house, but I think it was your car, and y'all didn't mess with anything, so I ain't called the police on you yet, okay? <laughs> but I saw a truck that I didn't recognize. And then I saw a man walking by the truck that I didn't recognize. And then he was walking, and the truck wasn't there anymore. And then I saw a tow truck, a wrecker. You know, and, and the, the, the name of the record company was real visible in the picture, so I picked up the phone and called him and said, hey, wanted, you know, and I didn't say, I, I was just kind of wondering, I said, hey, I want to know what your, your record was doing on my property, you know, because I wanted to scare them just enough to tell me what I wanted to know, you know, and so, and so man, they, they just opened up, and we don't know all the details exactly, but here's the best we can put together, is this guy, he saw the four-wheeler sitting there on the trailer, even though I had it locked up, maybe he didn't know that, and he thought he was about to get himself a free four-wheeler. Now, for those of you that don't know, it was used four-wheeler, and probably about, it probably cost me twelve. $1,300, $1,400 to replace that four-wheeler and the trailer. $1,200, $1,400 of our harvest, okay? And you know what, And what we, the things that we know and then having to surmise some of it also is so then while he was trying to turn around and get ready to, to hook up the trailer and take my four-wheeler with him, he slid, started sliding in that mud down the hill into a tree had to call the wrecker. The wrecker came out to get him. They pull him out, but his truck is so damaged he can't drive it. So they have to take him home 20 miles away. So this guy who thought he was going to come and get part of my harvest ended up going home with a big wrecker bill and a truck that wouldn't run anymore that he's now got to that he's now got to repair all of this when he thought he was going to take care he was going to be taking my harvest away. But God protects the harvest. God rebukes the devourer. But here's what I want you to understand about this. I want you to think about this. If I had not had that camera where it was, I would never have known God protected my harvest. How many times has God protected your harvest, but you didn't have a camera there and you don't know about it? If your harvest is intact today, you just got to believe. There's there'd been a lot of stuff probably happening. God just protected my harvest. You might not have the picture. You might not have the proof. You might not have the evidence, but God, but God has done it. I, I'm sorry. I, I got preaching there, and I was trying not to. I was trying to hurry through this. Uh, number three, continually praise God as an acknowledgement of his blessing. I can't tell you how many times I've stood on the bank of that little bitty creek and just watched that water for a minute and just said, God, I can't believe you gave me a creek. <laughs> you know, and just tell it. And I'll tell you, how many, anybody want to hear more just ask me this afternoon that's one of the reasons I wanted to share this is because I want to praise God because I want him to stay my partner I want him to know that he's making an investment in me that I'm going to tell everybody about and which this one also follows up also is uh, maintain the integrity of the harvest when we sold our house, we used proceeds, you know, the appreciation of our house. We used that to purchase the land and also to start building our house. We're going to use some of that money. And one of the things we did is because we, we made more money than we had spent on the house, we tithe on that increase. Well, preacher, you don't have to do that. You just have to tithe on your job, don't you? Well, here's what I know is, 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 is God's Word talks about it, and it, and it calls it increase, 10% on the increase. So here's the thing, okay? You can do whatever you feel like God has led you to do. But if there was a chance that that 10% of that increase was God's and he saw it as that way, there was no way I wanted to put it into a house that I was going to live in. I didn't, I didn't want to cheat him if, that's, if he said he, that belonged to him. I wanted him to still be my partner. I'm, I'm, I want to maintain the integrity. Maintain the integrity of what God is doing in your life, whatever he's speaking to you, okay? Uh, fourthly, uh, one, two, three, four, no, five, stay in the right neighborhood. Now I've started broadening my neighborhood. 
You know, not just those three guys because we got the land now. Now I'm broadening the neighborhood. And, and one of those places I'm broadening is people to pray with me. And, and one of those people I first asked was Brother Phil is to pray with me. I started asking about that even before we closed on the land. But I started broadening my neighborhood. And you got to stay in that neighborhood. Don't leave that neighborhood. Man, if those are the guys that help you get there, if those are the ladies that help you get there, stay in the neighborhood. And, you know, when, when you start getting those, those, those times where you're doubting or wondering if it really is or whatever, and if it's going to work out, then all, all of a sudden, if you're in the right neighborhood, God's got plenty of people to connect you with. And you know what happened this past week? Brother Phil sent me a scripture. And, and, and you know, and I, I've, I've, I've kind of I've been over the past couple weeks, you know, the, the banks dragged their feet, you know, the Jefferson County's dragging their feet, you know, and I'm like, oh, y'all want to get started building, you know, God, and all this stuff. And then Brother Phil sends me this scripture right here. Build homes and, plant to st and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. How did that happen? Because I moved into his neighborhood. You got people all around you. You need to stay in the right neighborhoods. Get rid of those people that, are, that aren't talking God up, that are talking God down. Stop listening to those people. Start, start surrounding yourself. Move into the neighborhoods of people who will challenge you to believe God for the big things that he wants to do in your life. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you, and as always, we dare you to dream.